All right, we're live. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Rocket MSP, the podcast where we ask tough questions of uh, MSP vendors. And I am Steve Taylor, your host. Today, I am joined by Dan from Darklight AI. And uh, Dan, I'm really excited to have you on here, man. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Steve. It's been a long time coming for both of us. Thanks for your patience with me and uh, glad to be here. Yeah, and we were supposed to do this last week, and I was having all kinds of weird audio issues. And then I had more audio issues uh, today, but I fixed them because I've got a whole bunch of microphones laying around. Um, (laughs) Long story. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot that I want to go over today. So I'm going to just dive right in with questions. Uh, So let me me get those pulled up here. so why don't we start off with something simple? What is SIO? Well, SIO is actually a spin. It's, it's spelled C-Y-I-O. It's a spin from the Latin term S-C-I-O, which means to know. And SIO is a cybersecurity software solution that is focused on the cybersecurity hygiene and posture management. At the end of the day, the value we're providing is to quickly prioritize uh, risk so that you can prioritize your resources. All right. And uh, what inspired you to create SIO? Like there's there's other platforms out there. Why do, why do we need SIO? Well, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but the the uh, I came from the anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist finance uh, space. So I sold that business in 2015 because there was a lot of positive movement after 9-11 to... Uh, help the industry solve the problem. Now, that's not solved, but we, we as an industry did a lot after 9-11 to make big movement there. Mm-hmm. And the more I started to understand cybersecurity, the more I felt um, there were some overlaps and lessons learned from AML and terrorist finance stuff, namely talking about risks, speaking about threat intelligence sharing that could uh, transfer into the cyberspace. And candidly, to me, there's no bigger issue from a standpoint of of protecting our way of life as Americans and as international community to uh, feeling like there's integrity online. And so I wanted to participate uh, in something that was going after that goal. That's awesome. Um, What's your unique selling proposition for this product? We have a very unique way of speaking in terms of risk for the, for the product where it sits today we're trying to help MSPs and small and medium businesses stop playing vulnerability whack-a-mole because there's so many vulnerabilities. There's hundreds of thousands. It's just, it's overwhelming. In fact, that's our mission is to help overwhelm defenders become empowered, help overwhelm, help empower defenders. So they're not overwhelmed victims. And one of the things that's also amazing in our industry is how much information and best practices there is to help the defender. But it's also overwhelming. So how do you operationalize these frameworks and standards? There's so many of them. And so Mm -hmm. this technology started in a Department of Energy national lab east of Seattle. If you can't tell here, I'm in Seattle. And I came across those scientists and really felt that the base technology, we won't go too deep into the weeds unless you want to, allows us to do something different. And one of the things that is different is we can take risk, which many people don't understand that that is what that actually means, and turn it into how does it impact my business in terms that the decision makers of the business can understand. And in this specific example, I'll share in the NIST framework, there's something called the information system. Mm -hmm. And what's tough for relational databases that most of these scanners, prioritizations, engines are are built on, is it's very difficult to have uh, two things that are named the same, but mean different things. So the term information system in, in NIST is actually a collection of assets. So it's a printer. So let's say your payroll system, it's printer, it's an outside SaaS product, perhaps it's inside laptops, and that's an information system for payroll. But it's also at the same exact time considered one asset. And so our technology, we use a semantic knowledge graph. I won't throw that stuff out there too much, but that's enabling us to actually deal with that problem on actually operationalizing and automating Uh, this type of analysis to bring the good stuff that's out there uh, into the hands of, you know, people that aren't Bank of America or JP Morgan. So how do you differentiate 
SIO from other AI-driven cybersecurity platforms on the market today? You know, we've really steered away from using the term AI because Mm -hmm. there is a lot of challenge with people believing it, et cetera. And if you want to get into the weeds of that, we are what's called a knowledge-driven AI. And all that really means, to keep it simple, I don't want to dumb down what we're doing because it's pretty darn cool what they built out of the lab and what our team has built in the last four years. But it allows us to take a human trade craft and operationalize it uh, into the software code. And so think of the if-then statement that is really hard at scale. And we uh, have been able to take that with this technology and not be have such a brittle environment. So that differentiator of allowing us to bring lots of disseparate information into one place and provide a, a knowledge-driven AI over the top of it uh, is something that, that others are going to have challenge to do until they change their, their base uh, tech stack. Okay. So you mentioned that uh, SIO is designed to empower defenders. I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly, uh, to overcome the complexity of, of the hundreds of thousands of, of active uh, vulnerabilities that are out there and, and avoid all the, the confusion and all the overwhelming feelings, right? So uh, with that, um, I had I had a thought and I lost it. Can can you walk us through a real world example of how SIO has helped a company detect and respond uh, to a cyber threat? So uh, we're right now, and as I've shared with you, Steve, we're a startup, so we have twelve employees. Mm-hmm. We're installed in four or five um, pilot users right now. And even in that real world, a great quote just happened this week, I think. Uh, We support two, so we rely on on other scanners. So what Mm -hmm. our objective is, is to be scanner agnostic because there's a lot of great information available to you. And and I'll sidetrack just for one minute. One of the quotes that drew me to this industry was from uh, uh, William Crowell, who's a deputy director of the NSA, was a long time ago. He used the quote in cybersecurity, it's, it's a thousand points of light without illumination because we have so many places to access data, but how do we actually fuse that in to, to, to highlight what's actually going on? And so even those scanners, as good as they are doing things, some are better than others, obviously, but our client in, ingested and was using one of the big three scanners and actually liked it. And we said, let's just test it. Let's drag and drop your scan into our environment right live and see what happens. And they couldn't believe when you start adding outside threat intelligence and you start adding the different scoring capabilities that are out there, temporal CVSS versus just CVSS, you know, Kev and other things that are out there, how quickly without any context from us or SIO about their environment, they could quickly see where their highest risks were. Uh, and they were different than what came out of the box of the vulnerability scanner. So that kind of really helped solidify them installing uh, installing SIO and, and helping us uh, continue to mature the product. Very cool. All right. Um, what, uh, I, don't, I don't like that question. I'm going to a different question. So I, I, I wrote down a lot of questions. Show, I wrote a lot of questions and I feel like I got to bounce all over the place with them. Um, all right. So, do you have a dedicated security team in place? Yes. So Aaron Shaha is our CISO, CISO, whichever you prefer. Um, he and I worked together at another MSSP called Route 9B. And Route 9B started a bunch of, and everyone likes to say they have NSA folks. These guys are, are awesome. Um, 20 or so left at the same time after Snowden and created an MSSP that was very, very advanced. And they were from the tailored access operation group. And, and Aaron was a big part of that. That entity that I was with is now owned by Deloitte. And Aaron came to us where he was their head of uh, North American head of incident response and of hunt. And so he is our CISO. So while we are a startup and we are not perfect by any stretch, he is making sure, and he's charged with making sure that we're eating our own dog food, we're doing as much as possible in doing our own vulnerability scans, et cetera, et cetera. So we absolutely have a dedicated uh, security person, even with only 12 people. 
Now he does help me on sales pitches. So he does sure. do more than one thing. You're, you're a startup. Everyone's wearing multiple hats. I get that. Um, all right. So let's talk about the platform uh, and the underlying technology with it. So uh, how does it handle data encryption, both in transit and at rest? Well, there's going to be some of the, you're going to talk some technical levels that I'm not in a position to get into. Um, I'd be happy to have Aaron join at some point. What I can share is that our platform is built for MSPs or very large organizations that have multiple um, segmented, including classified space. We aren't doing those yet. And so it's very, and this is why it's very important for us to protect that. Right now, we're only um, delivery through AWS, although we, we are uh, cloud agnostic. But we have a multi-tenant environment. So if you're an MSP and you have client A through D, each one of those clients' data will not and can't spill over to the other. And so that's, for now, the best I can answer your question, Steve. Fair. Uh, do you know if your platform is or will be zero knowledge? You know, when you said zero knowledge, I actually saw that question. Are you referring to zero trust or zero knowledge? And I might not know zero knowledge. So let's talk about zero trust to start. So zero trust, we're not part of bringing that to market. And, and again, that's another one that has a lot of, you know, question in the market. First of all, is it actually achievable? And I think every, the people that I sort of talk to say, we need to move towards that and have that as an objective, but getting there is virtually impossible. So how we operate, we're actually trying to bring you, bring you the client um, uh, understanding of what's going on in your environment, environment. So by understanding what's going on in your environment, we're not gonna be necessarily testing, is this a, a, a zero trust connection or not? But those tools that are, uh, in theory, as we mature the product, the outputs of those tools will come into our platform and then we can provide you a picture in one spot rather than going to 70 plus tools uh, in your environment. Gotcha. So the basic idea behind zero knowledge. Now we believe in it for sure. So another quick plug, our, our, the guy who's building this and the team building it, Paul Patrick, he was head of cyber for Lockheed. Uh, we, we brought him over from FireEye, where he was the chief architect of their um, uh, intelligence product. Uh, so in the classified space that he was, you know, for a lot of years, this is a, a really big deal for us. But I can't say that we're zero trust right now, and it's not the specific problem we're trying to solve. Got it. And then, so the idea behind zero knowledge security is that when two parties need to exchange data, they do so in a way that uh, doesn't compromise the, the confidentiality, integrity, or authenticity of the data that's being exchanged. Um, so, so basically, they're they're doing it in an approach where uh, you you don't necessarily have access uh, privileges for being able to view or manipulate the sensitive data. I, I suspect that you are zero knowledge since you are getting what a vulnerability scanner is outputting. So you're you're not like installing agents on the endpoints and servers where you have access to confidential files and databases. And Steve, we have a um, one of our core values is transparency. And um, there's a lot of what you said that I fully understand. And I know that one of Paul's key things is this idea, and these are my words, so don't blame him if these are wrong, the difference between push-pull. So we're mm -hmm. really interested in having those tools push to us rather than us opening a gateway so that we don't become another attack surface. That's fantastic. So there's no, yeah. That's, there's no question that, and, and that's actually just philosophically, it's going to be interesting because clients actually want that because it's just easier. So we're being very careful of that until we have the resources to make sure that we're not creating uh, another attack surface that isn't, there's no hundred percent lockdown, but, but, you know, we're, we're trying to avoid that uh, until we're more mature. So we're, we want to have push from the, from the products as opposed to us go get it. 
Awesome. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask Dan to do a demo of SIO. Um, I just want to give you guys that are watching live an opportunity to pop your questions into the YouTube comments. That way, we, you know, I'm going to do my best to get to everyone's questions. So feel free to pop them in there. Um, does your company today have a comprehensive information security policy in place? We do have an information security plan uh, in place. Um, insurance requires that, although we would have done it anyway. Um, it's pretty light, uh, to be candid. I've run larger businesses, um, but for our size, um, we have nothing to be embarrassed by. Fair. And we take it very seriously. In fact, I just got an email yesterday about how I didn't update my Mac quick enough for Aaron's um, <laughs> That's fun. Aaron's happiness. <laughs> tell, tell him you're going to install Sonoma. Sonoma. See, I'm learning all sorts of things. I don't know. what. Oh, is that the next uh, that's operating the one, system or something? That's the one that's out right now in beta. I'm sure, I'm sure okay. Aaron would love that. I'm not sure I'm allowed to do beta. They don't let me do much here at all, Steve, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, that, that was sarcasm if you, if you didn't catch that. I could, I could pick up. I could pick up. Do you guys have a bug bounty program in place today? We don't. Okay. We don't. And, you know, uh, I, I will also admit, Aaron and I haven't even talked about that. That's something between Aaron and Paul who have huge experience in cybersecurity, and we have another uh, woman well, even Erica, who's our marketing officer, came over from Route 9B, and Beth, who's our director of operations, came over from FireEye. I will literally defer to their um, suggestions on that type of best practice uh, when sure. we're ready. Okay. So uh, what type of vulnerability scanner files can SIO ingest? So right now, we only support uh, Rapid7 and Tenable, uh, Nessus. And, and so we did that because our we had three design partners. One was an MSP, one is a very large public trade utility, and one is one of the, I'll just say the big five, three um, defense contractors at the CISO level. And when we did the study of, this is actually a mistake I made, Steve, to be honest with you. Um, we made, I made, but my call, uh, between those three, they two of them used Tenable, one of them used Rapid7. And when you look across the market of vulnerability scanners, if you throw Qualys in there, it's like 80 plus percent of the market share. So given our limited resources, we wanted to focus on our design partners. But when we went out and started selling to the MSP space uh, and the ones focused on small, medium business, um, cyber CNS and rapid fire tools, only 2% of the 100 plus people we've spoken to use the ones we integrate with. So we have a whole list of folks that are interested in using us once we get cyber CNS. So that is on a very short uh, roadmap item for us. Awesome. Uh, does the platform map risk scoring to standards other than NIST? Well, the, you know, that's interesting. Yes. Um, I want to be careful on this and, and you did, uh, I actually asked this question to Aaron and Paul. So we're really focused on the NIST 800-53 framework scheme. And that's because we do believe that if you're doing the NIST cybersecurity framework well, that's going to translate to ISO and all the different ones that exist out there, the majority of the ones that exist out there. What we're doing is we're not trying to create our own proprietary scoring. We're using the scoring that's available to us uh, and using standards and then combining those together in a you know, in, in our, I guess you could say proprietary way, differentiated because we're bringing so many other scores into it to determine what is your most risk. And this, uh, what's your riskiest um, uh, area of what, where's your, what should you focus on within your environment? And so when you think of risk, it's likelihood plus impact. And, and that equals risk. And so we, we are bringing different scoring that are based on standards in to make that determination. All right. Um, your website says that your product continuously is prioritizing, but how is it doing that if we're uploading scans? So if you go, so if let's say you upload a scan and then come back and, and 
we're, what we're doing behind the scenes is constantly bringing in latest CPE information, latest CVE information, latest CVSS information, latest NVD. National Vulnerability Database is an example. It's updated four times a day or every four hours, four times a day, every four hours, something like that. So we're continuously bringing that new information into the SIO brain. And so every time you come back in and look uh, and, and do your analysis on the same scan, it could be different. And so that's what's continuously happening. Now, what it's not doing is, and this is not yet, we're not a monitoring monitoring capability. So we're not going to, you be sitting there and all of a sudden you get a, a, an email from, you know, SIO that says, hey, something changed in the background. We will be going that far, but that's, that's a little further down, further down the, the roadmap. Because we want to bring in endpoint, we want to bring in systems logs, we want to bring in lots of stuff. We're just not prepared to say that we're actively monitoring, but we're continuously um, updating uh, what's going on in your environment based on uh, threat intelligence and other information um, available to the public. That makes that makes sense. Thanks for explaining that. Uh, let's let's do a demo. Let's see how this thing works. Great. We're gonna we're gonna keep it pretty tight, and then if you want to, I'm just gonna highlight a few areas, and then if you want to mm -hmm. dig into it. I'll just let you lead because I've seen a few of your shows, Steve, and you're in charge. So I want to make sure I'm prepared for that. <laughs> Someone's got to be. Someone's got to be. All right. So hopefully you're seeing the SIO login screen now, Steve. We are. Great. So everyone has a dashboard. Our dashboard, you know, has the ability to, to change these screens as you like. Quick layout on the left side uh, menu. Uh, one of the things that we also, we do, this is an asset inventory system. Um, just a key point here. We're not trying to be the best asset inventory system. We're not trying to be the best vulnerability uh, system. And we're not even trying to be the best risk management system. But what we're doing is bringing those all things in all to, into one place. And then as we mature, you'll see this threat assessment piece is not, it's grayed out right now. It's really the next big thing on our roadmap to bring that in as well. So we can do uh, threat assessment reports. And this is all to help um, our clients um, deal with CMMC, deal with uh, cyber insurance stuff using this framework. Uh, we also operate using the FedRAMP template for our reports, which I'll share a couple examples of those. Uh, and what's nice about our reporting is everything is already output in something called OSCAL, which is uh, for FedRAMP. And we think CMMC will be a requirement. It's just a machine readable report. We're already built for that, um, even with a small team that we have. So you log in, my name, and in this case, we demo user. Um, this is the example. We, we're, this is an example org. We have a, uh, when I log in, these are the three, let's say I'm an MSP and I'm the analyst or the person handling security. The clients that I have access to would be available to me here. So if you have a very large team and you don't want every one of your analysts having access to all your clients, that is where this would be. We call these organizations, but really for an MSP, they would be one of their clients or it could be their internal system. Mm-hmm. So we've obviously preloaded data here. The way it works, so what we've preloaded is, is uh, scans uh, in four successive months. But in order to upload a scan, you literally would just hit upload. And right here, I've got a Nessus and I've got, oh, they're all Nessuses, but I would just literally drag and drop into the environment, um, type a title. And then uh, once it's processed in the background, depending on the size of scan, It'll be anywhere from one minute. I think the further, longest we've seen is 10 before it you know, gets up to our AWS and comes back to you. And then you get an email when it's done. And then within these, this environment, this is where we start to see some differentiation uh, compared to what we can do because of this knowledge graph I'm talking about. So what you're going to see from most scanners, the output is What's the vulnerability? And most of them, although they're getting a lot better, I have to give them credit. Um, and there's some really good ones out there, but they're focused on the CVSS base score and don't even use the CVSS temporal score and don't really start taking into account, is it exploitable, how much, et cetera. The other thing that happens is, is when you look at prioritization, 
So we want to help folks identify and prioritize these risks. They're focused on a vulnerability and on the host. So the vulnerability that sits on the host. But the reality is the host that may be my Mac you know, laptop mm-hmm. has a product on it, could be Linux, could be whatever. That product has a weakness and weakness, as we know, has its own scoring system. And the vulnerability is actually taking advantage of the weakness. And so right away, we're bringing in two additional layers that we're, we're incorporating into our analysis that others are literally just focused on CVSS and host. And this allows you to sort of click on, and we also, by the way, bring in misconfiguration uh, issues. Um, now we are limited to what the scanner will see and what we can bring in from publicly available best practices. Uh, but if it's there, we'll grab it. And so once you click on one of these, it, it goes into, so this one, we just, you know, in this scaling, we just focused on one weakness. So any, any host that has that weakness will pull up and it tells you what the solution is. It gives you some more information. If you want to actually look at what this means, this is not you know, this is just stuff that's available to the public. We're just bringing it into one place so you don't have to go out and look for it, et cetera. So this is the, the vulnerability assessment piece. What we also offer for, we're trying to have a sticky product for, for our MSPs. And so what you can do here is we have those four successive scans. So let's say we just landed a new client and we say, hey, we've been with you for four months. Let us show you what we've done. And each of these little graphs, and a lot of people do these too, so I'm not trying to make this a differentiator per se, but just showing what we can do. Because one of the differentiators we do have is we deal with these challenges over time. Whereas most of the vulnerability scanners out there are focused on a snapshot, and it's very hard to bring those together. And a lot of times it's done on your own through an Excel spreadsheet. We're actually trying to get rid of the spreadsheet, which is hard, but that's our objective. So you can quickly show trends of what you as an MSP, what value you're bringing. We certainly understand that vulnerabilities, once you're under control, go up and down. But uh, on the front end of building loyalty with your client, we think this is a very powerful reporting capability. Now, what we also can do here is generate a report. Uh, That could take a minute or two. So I just brought a, a, a couple examples. So this is a vulnerability assessment report. We have one client, what they're doing is part of their sales process. They're going into a, a new company and saying, hey, let us do a, a vulnerability scan and we'll provide you a report free of charge. Vulnerability assessment, because for us, you drag drop that scan in and literally in two to 10 minutes, you have this report. And this report allows you to, to jump around to different areas in the, you know, in the environment. And this is all based on this scan, uh, standards. It's not coming through great here, but. Uh, you can see, and, and this is delivered in something called Markdown. So the client, this is white labeled. We don't need our, our logo on it. They can put their logo. They can do as much as they want within the report. Tracking so far? Yeah. And then we also have a security assessment report. Now, a vulnerability assessment report and a security assessment report are two terms of art in the NIST framework. And so we'll be just continuing to add reports as we mature. So the next one will be system security plan, threat assessment report. And because we are gonna start targeting DOD suppliers uh, that have CMMC and some of the things you'll see in the product are probably gonna be a little robust for some users, but that's part of what we're trying to do here, what we are doing. We wanna keep it simple for those that don't have the same requirements as as the DOD does. But also, if you have a DOD requirement, you can, we can help you very easily facilitate the pretty onerous requirements that they have. And so our reporting is following those templates using those standards, but giving the end client a lot of flexibility uh, should they choose to do something different. Okay. So from that, I'll go to assets now. So from that drag and drop, or the, and we are gonna be programmatically submitting it so you can set up to where whatever Tenable or Rapid7 pushes one of these you know, every day or every month or whatever, that's not quite ready yet, but that clearly is a, something we have to do and are doing. This was actually a request from our earlier pilot clients. We didn't have severity by asset. Um, and uh, we want people focused in the risk assessment piece. However, what we're learning about the MSP environment is, hey, you know, I want to get things done quickly. Tell me where my biggest issues are within assets. And so we, we quickly just were able to present this. So 
this literally, if you want to focus on assets, you should start with this SQL server. And so when you dig into this, we have a lot of flexibility here. So when you dig into that, that server, it's going to tell you what software is on it. It's going to tell you what risks are associated. And all of these are hyperlinked. So you can go, hey, I want to understand what is this particular risk? So you can go now and change views just through that. And um, let me get back there. And this is fully editable. So if you want to add asset tags, ID, descriptions, et cetera, et cetera, you have a lot of flexibility here to manage this. And this is also, we think, a nice opportunity for the MSPs to, to develop their revenue streams and create stickiness because if they're charging a retainer and, and what we have one MSP doing is they're literally bringing their clients. So they're having a Zoom call and having their clients view SIO in real time. And they say, hey, let's start chipping away at your environment. We need to understand what's important, your e-commerce infrastructure. What does that look like? What is this? This computer looks very risky. Does it matter to the business? And you start to fill in data here. And of course, as we mature, we'll be bringing in spreadsheets to help fill in your assets that you've already done. We'll help, you know, other ITAM, uh, you know, um, IT asset management systems will bring that in and, and automatically handle it. But right now that's where we're focused on small, medium business. Cause if you have less than a hundred assets, we think that's a real opportunity for the MSPs to start to differentiate and say, Hey, we've spent a lot of time getting your, the knowledge of your environment into our platform. And, and we can do some pretty cool stuff with that. So one thing, if if we could stay on that page that we were just at, looking oh, at, yes, that's okay. So one thing that I'll say is is going to be a negative for MSPs is right now, if you were to click into one of those assets, like the SQL Server, um, like you said yourself, we can we can add things like the asset tag, asset ID, description. Etc. Etc. But as MSPs, we've already got that information elsewhere, whether it's in IT Glue or uh, whatever documentation platform we're using. We've got an RMM. We've got a PSA. Um, I I can tell you that a lot of MSPs are going to be really bummed if they have to come in here and like manually type stuff in in order to to fill this out and have it look complete. Because I'm sure our, our clients are going to see this incomplete thing and go, well, why isn't all this stuff filled out? And now we're going to have to explain to our clients, oh, well, we don't fill it out because it's a manual process and we don't need it. Because it's, it's elsewhere. Steve, we've, we've, we've absolutely heard that. And, you know, before we started selling into the MSP, I, I did as you know, I thought a decent job of homework, but where I certainly missed it was the cyber CNS. And then basically we've come to realize that between, you know, ConnectWise and Kaseya, if you really want to penetrate the MSP in a big way, either deal with both or pick one and make sure that you're integrating to get all that stuff automatically in there. So there's no mm -hmm. question. And what we're choosing to do, Steve, is we want to get our first 10 paying clients that, that serve a mix. So some serving DOD, some an MSSP versus MSP, some small MSP, some bigger MSP. And then that first 10 is going to literally vote on our roadmap. So do you want the integration with uh, ServiceNow versus ConnectWise ticketing system? Do you want to add the cool threat intelligence piece that's amazing? And that one's probably you know, we're pretty close to having that done anyway, but but that one we're finding may not be as interesting to MSPs versus what you just said. Hey, I've already got some of this data ingested, so we're just going to have to prioritize as every startup has to do. But I appreciate the directness, and we've certainly heard that from some clients. Luckily, it hasn't stopped them from, we think, potentially realizing where SIO's going for them, uh, and they're still working with us. But but there's no question that's a, that's something we have to work on. Cool. So just for time's sake, let me jump into, I mentioned this information uh, mm -hmm. system. And so this is, again, really where we start to differentiate. So instead of an MSP or an MSSP going to their client saying, hey, um, we have uh, a CVSS 9.8 um, that resides on a laptop and CISA just sent out a notice saying that this is now very much exploitable. And there's no context to that. 
And so that's where information comes in because do you care about that particular laptop and how quickly, if you're an investigator from an IR perspective or even proactive, how can you, how quickly can you get to where and what, excuse me, if we get new information from, from CISA or whatever, how can I quickly get to where I need to get and, and determine um, how bad this is? And so we have this concept of information system. Sorry, it's not our concept. It's a NIST concept. And you can see here, what you can do is say, well, let's just look at our payroll system. Our payroll system, then we allow you to talk about confidentiality, integrity, availability. Uh, it tells you what, what items are within that information system. It tells you what components are in that. You can upload if you want um, network architecture. There's a lot of power here. And then what's also very cool is you can, you can visualize this. And this allows you to quickly call your client and say, hey, look, this uh, risk um, is in, could impact your payroll system. So if we don't take care of this now, you may not be able to pay your people. Or this risk could take down your e-commerce infrastructure, which is another information system. And this is, again, we think something that, that when we start to show this, we, this is where we're seeing a lot of, wow, I haven't seen that before. And literally, Steve, we're just getting started because our visualizations, when you use a knowledge graph versus a relational database, is unbelievable what we can start to bring out visualization-wise to not only help create stickiness for your clients, but also become more effective in um, prioritizing resources because you prioritize risk and it, as everyone wants to do, do more for less. And, and just because I want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly, an information system is a group of assets uh, in, in NIST definitions. So it, it's possible that the, the payroll system and the marketing system could share some assets, like they might be using the same servers or the same Wi-Fi APs or, or whatever we're putting in here, right? Correct. So, I mean, so think of me. I mean, we're a 12 person firm. Yeah. I was doing payroll myself until whatever, six months ago, and I still, you know, approve it. So my laptop is both part of the payroll system, it's part of the HR platform, it's part of and it happens to have a fancy title associated. So yes, that is also part of the challenge. Now, you know, the bigger companies in a very small company, you may quickly be able to say, hey, I've got 10 assets. This one really matters. But even if you get into 50 plus assets, understanding and the other piece we think is important here is speaking in terms that the client can understand. So how you do just I uncovered a risk that could take down your payroll system? So how do I, how, so let's say we've got that SQL server is, I assume, in multiple systems, not just payroll. So how do I, how do I, as the MSP, take the information in here and quickly say, oh, crap, this, this thing that's, that's hitting the, the SQL server, how do I know that the SQL server is in multiple information systems? So that way I can go have that conversation with the client. Well, th so there's a couple ways to answer that question. So first of all, um, let's we did, we had this is a good opportunity to show the risk assessment piece. So mm -hmm. because what we want to talk about in terms of risk, and so these are your highest risks. And even though we also give the ability for you to quickly see which assets have the most risks associated. This is still where as uh, clients mature in their understanding of not only how to use SIO, this is where we really want people to go. So if we take, let's just take one down here that has six occurrences and we dig in here and we say, well, let's, we now know that this risk um, exists and this one, you know, wasn't even severe, but it'll give you an example of what I'm talking about here. We can quickly look in the details and we can see in this particular one, it's only impacting one target. So it's only, this particular risk is only impacting this particular host. So we can dig into that host, but now we can say, okay, we're on the host. This is all the stuff that's in, installed on the host. And these are the risks associated with it. So the ability to go from 
left hand to right hand and get into what do I need to fix is really what we're bringing to um, um, the top quickly. And let's just do another one if we want to try to do this from an asset perspective. So this particular server has all of these risks associated. And if we went to um, just vulnerabilities, so if you want to go that, that way, because I think that's more germane to what you just described, and we said, hey, this vulnerability just came out as a very specific issue from CISA. You go here and you click on that, and these are the two hosts that have that vulnerability installed. Does that make sense? Is that answering your question? Yeah, let me ask it. Let me ask it a slightly different way then. So, on that risk assessment tab and activities, uh -huh. is is this? Um, and here's here's where I'm asking: How smart is your AI? Basically, are are you saying that the severity of this risk is based on the score? in the in the uh, CVE or, or whatever else? Or are you also taking the fact that this is on a server that's in the payroll system and it's it's a more critical device into account when when marking the severity of these risks? The short answer is both. Most people okay. have it depends and the only reason I'm going to share it depends is because obviously when you're first starting, like you're an MSP, you go to a new client, you drag and drop. We don't have any context. And, and, but that is the whole goal of, I think, any security practitioner would say, the more context we have and the more we can use and understand the business context, the better we can prioritize risk. Because if you don't understand impact, that's half the equation for determining risk. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand likelihood and likelihood's going to be driven by lots of things. Um, one of them is, is the, is the vulnerability exploitable? Is it known to be exploitable? Is it actively exploitable? So there's your likelihood. And then you got to determine impact. So what we're doing is with no context, we're seeing real difference in apples to apples comparisons between the, the base vulnerability scanners, which I'm not picking on them. We need them. And a lot of them do really great work, but we're doing more to bring more intelligence in to the base equation. Once you as the MSP start getting into that environment and, and sharing information with SIO about that asset, then absolutely that information gets brought into our equation to prioritize risk. So... Once we start filling out some of these asset tag information and and we go into the information systems and, and start building the systems, then you have more context and you're able to give a much uh, more thought out plan when it comes to the risk assessment. Exactly. And, and I'll give you, and this was truly debated internally because one of our strategies is we want to uh, bring simple frictionless, frictionless solutions to complex problems. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's a cyber is, is really complex. I mean, there's some fundamentals, but even incorporating those fundamentals is tough. So we wanted to day one provide additional value if all you did was focus on, I'm going to focus on assets or risk rather than just what's my quote you know, highest rated vulnerability, because that's unfortunately what still the majority is. We're moving in the right direction as industry. There's, again, a lot of great tools out there that are moving in the right direction. And we're part of that. We, we would, we, you know, um, you know, we're small, but we're, we have big plans. So the, this risk assessment is a great example. A lot of people won't need the power of what we can do in here. Because if you are a CMMC or you're a, a DOD supplier, they require you to have very substantial remediation plan reporting on all of your risks. And so we give you that ability to have tremendous flexibility. And these are all terms of art on building out plans within SIO. 
Now, what we've certainly heard from the MSPs is, I don't have time for that. So they may not use this part of the system uh, until we're integrated with ticketing and, and they may never. They're just like, look, I don't have a million asset environment. I've got clients that average, you know, 200 to 1,000 or whatever it is. So I just need to get focused on what's most important. Let's start bringing up, creating information systems and let's start slowly chipping it away so we don't overwhelm the MSP and we don't overwhelm the client. It's just over time, we're, um, we're dramatically improving our knowledge of the, of the organization. And even if you haven't filled everything out, we can, we're very confident in saying, we will give you a prioritized list apples to apples as good or better than anybody else um, just based on the drag and drop because we're constantly bringing in other information to determine likelihood. We can help determine likelihood impact really, you know, and I don't want to get too far out on our roadmap, Steve, but this is one of the reasons I, I came here and wanted to be a part of this. One of the cool things about our knowledge-driven AI is we can deduce things. We can mm -hmm. infer things. And so if, if you're bringing information in and we're fusing it and we're seeing, you know, when we start bringing in, um, you know, EDR or network traffic information, we can see, my goodness, there's a lot of data going between here. That must be important. So as we, you know, as we mature, we'll, we'll end up saying proactively, hey, you haven't had time to fill this information system, but we really think you might want to take a look over here because there's a lot of stuff going on here. Nothing's flagged from an alert perspective, but, you know, is this a high priority? And, and that's, we have to go there if we're going to keep our, our edge or really develop the edge of differentiation. And, and that's why we spent some time building the, 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 the base tech um, to make sure we can get to that level, that long-term vision. I appreciate that. So uh, today uh, you have a pilot program that when we head over to your website. Uh, so so I'll just start by saying if you guys want to sign up for SIO, uh, you want to sign up for the pilot program, you can go to darklight.ai. And when you get there, it's just going to pop right up on the on the homepage uh, to, to become part of the pilot program. Can you explain the pilot program to us? So again, spirit of transparency, we're a startup. We just, mm -hmm. we just got another round of funding that closed about two weeks ago, but we really want to start you. moving from our beta users to some level of paid client. And what's important for us in our strategy has always been, we want to get those first 10 clients as I talked about earlier. And then we're going to slow things down and make sure that our foundations that we built are scalable, that we're actually making the product as usable as possible to those first 10 clients that are paid clients. And so what the pilot program is now is, hey, come get a demo, kick the tires for two weeks. And if you're actively using it and not quite sure, I'm going to be pretty easy to say, let's extend the pilot a bit. If you're actively using it, getting us good feedback and saying, hey, this just doesn't work for me, but I still want to be interested, you know, we're going to work with you. And we're trying to find that first 10 clients. I think we're very close to signing our first three that'll be paying. And just so everyone knows, we're, we're wide open to this. We have a minimum uh, monthly um, um, subscription of $250. And it's, it's, you're basically signing up for 90 days. And so what we do, and that's for up to 300 assets in, within our system. And this was developed through speaking with other MSPs because originally I had a thousand dollar minimum for a year and the MSPs are like, Hey man, that's not how it works for us. And so we came up with this 250 bucks for up to 300 assets. And so that's a snapshot taken on, you know, day one, you charge 250 at the end of 90 days. If you now have 600 assets, it's 83 cents a month per asset. And you've only signed up for the next 90 days. So no long-term contract, super simple. Um, and the pilot is just, hey, does it bring value to you? Do you see the potential? If not, we totally get it. And hopefully we can call you when we're more mature. But we're really looking for partners in the space. Uh, and I think if people do homework on the people that we have here, uh, I'm hoping and I'm confident they'll see, and, and hopefully this includes me, uh, we're here for the industry. Yes, I've got investors to, um, to deal with. 
but we want to do something cool. And there's a lot of examples I see of, of good industry providers. Uh, and I like to be a friendly competitor. And I'll just bring up, I think Nucleus does a great job. I had the pleasure of meeting Steve. They're very good at vulnerability management. They're more mature than us. I think they want to do the right thing. And so we want to be friendly to our competition um, because in the long term, there's a lot of business out there, uh, but we got to work together to solve this problem. So we'd love to have you come check us out, um, uh, kick the tires on and get a demo. Uh, while we have uh, very few clients, Aaron is literally helping our clients go deep into how to use Nessus, how to use Rapid7, what does this stuff mean? And so you have access to someone that ran all of Hunt and Instant Response for Deloitte and spent a long time on the offensive side uh, at the NSA as your, uh, we don't call him a fractional CISO for you, but, but he's available to our, to our early clients as we uh, mature the product. That's really awesome. Dan, thank you so much for coming on here today. I like your product. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, you add more features and functionality and, and more scanner uh, uh, compatibility. Um, I, I'm, I really, I, I wish you all the best of luck and come back. Let's, uh, you know, bring, bring, uh, I think Aaron, right? Aaron's your CISO. Bring Aaron back sometime. Yes. He's the and, one with the beard. Yeah. He's the one. I love it. Uh, bring, <laughs> bring him on sometime and let's just talk about like some nitty gritty. What's it, what's it look like for an MSP that, um, is maybe in their infancy of uh, uh, doing doing real risk assessment and analysis, and how do we step up our game? I think that would be a great conversation to have. Steve, I would welcome that opportunity. And just one last thing, it's been really fun for us to get to know the MSP space, and we have a lot to learn. But it's so cool to see how friendly they are with each other. We had an MSP that was in Hawaii that liked what we were doing, but used cyber CNS. And we got our very first referral because he told a buddy of his that's also an MSP that uses one of our products or one of the scanners. Uh, you can just see an environment where the MSP uh, folks seem to want to help each other. And so I'm excited to get to know um, this industry more and more. And I appreciate being on here. We'd, we'd love to come back. And that's why I love being in this industry, man. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for everyone who watched. And I will catch you all at the next episode. Take care, Steve.